With inspirational guests from across the world, this is Inspire Radio. You're listening to Inspire Radio. Uh, once again, it's always a pleasure to be joined by Manoj Krishna. Now, Manoj has got a great book out called Understanding Me, Understanding You, and also the Human Inquiry Projects. And uh, if you've missed some previous podcasts, you can uh, listen again on our catch-up page. Uh, but today, Manoj, we're talking about fear. Yes, it's something that affects every human being, no matter what your colour, which country you live in, what religion you have. It's one of our core human feelings. And it's really interesting to explore it because that exploration can illuminate our understanding and give us the tools on how to meet it with intelligence, which is what we're going to explore today. Okay, so so what are our fears then? What, what comes into play? Well, every human being has their own share of fears. And actually, it depends on how old you are. Okay. Because if you're a child in a playground... You're worried about what your friends think of you. You're worried about being accepted. You're worried about being cool. The teacher in the same school is worried about Ofsted, inspections, parents complaining, and so on. But around the world, we're afraid of being lonely, um, afraid of failure, for example. And what are the other criticism, uh, fears that you might have, Steve, that you could add to that? Do you that? know, you should say that, because a big fear of mine is health. Right. So as we get older, we get worried about fear, about dying, about our health and uh, so on, losing our looks. Yeah. Uh, Losing our sense of importance Mm -hmm. because we work all our lives to become somebody important. And then there's this anxiety or fear that that's going to be taken away from me. And you know what, Manaj, I had I had a fear of... um um, of, of a lack of, Jennifer, let's put it this way, a lack of abundance, money, financial. Yes, yeah. I think a lack of money is a big fear mm. for everyone. Even if people have enough, that anxiety that you don't have enough drives you to accumulate more and more and more wealth. So the person who has one car wants two, the guy who has two cars wants four, the person who has one house wants two, and you know, it goes mm-hmm. on and on. The person who has a billion wants two and four and eight And it goes on because this anxiety that we have has no solution because the problem is in the future and hasn't yet occurred. So we can't solve it. Do you see Mm, what I mean? Yeah, I do. And and also as a as a parent, um, you know, I must say we we have a we have a neighbour that's uh, recently just had a newborn baby, Mm. Um, and there's obviously a number of fears around that. Will it will it be healthy? Will it be this? Um, but as a parent, you have this thing in your head that well, everything will be all right when my daughter gets to 15 or 16, it'll be fine. <sighs> You've always got this fear. Well, I have. Of yeah. everything, Is everything all right for them? Well, I think once... So here's the interesting thing. If you have a mind that worries, there's absolutely no shortage of things to worry about. <laughs> Tell me about it. Right? Yes, yeah. So you worry about your looks, money, children, health. There's no shortage, is there? No. And do you think the other fear, actually, is criticism? Yeah, I, I think I can relate to this as well, because um, in the past, um, I've not taken criticism very well. 
I become very resistant. How dare you challenge me and all that kind of thing? Who are you? I've, I've been all through all this. Yeah. Um, and then when, when I became aware of this, mm. um, it was like, well, okay, let's, let's just be aware that people have got a different view, a different opinion, um, unless it's really personal. If they've called me something personal, then that's different. But if they're criticising my work or something, well, let's explore why that is that's, happening. That's a really intelligent response. But interestingly, so if you've been hurt by criticism from somebody, then that experience can condition or influence you. So you become afraid of it being repeated. Well, again, again, let me show you this as an example then, because um, as a young a young man in, in school, I, I didn't do very well at school, partly because I never used to go. <laughs> and... Um, but when I did go and I got called in somewhere, I was always fearful of what was going to happen. Yeah. When I started my work in life, um, many, many months ago, I worked in an electrical warehouse and I got called into one of the director's office. Now, in my subconscious, for me, that related to I'm in bother. Yes. I'm being summoned. Yes. The headmaster wants me. Yeah. Yeah. In reality... Because I created that fear. Mm. In reality, the director that called me in, called me in because he said, Steve, I have seen something in you mm. and I want to help you. There you go. So what that reveals to us is that our mind that worries cannot think clearly. Right? When you're worried and you're afraid, and our mind has an instinct to always look on, to imagine the worst, right? And it might have started as a protective instinct in the Stone Age because there were always threats around. Yes. Physical threats. Yes. But now our fear is more for our psychological sense of self. That means my ego is going to be attacked in some way. And that feels almost as powerful as the physical attack. Do you see what I mean? Again, as you're talking there, you know, I've just got this thing. It's like I talk to people and it's a it's a fear of not being liked on Facebook. They're checking their Facebook every five minutes to yes. see if they've got enough likes. Or how many likes they have. Yeah. You see. Or what's being said about me. Yeah. Or they're talking about somebody else. They're not talking about me. Yes. So human beings have many fears. And the mind that worries, as we said, worries about all sorts of things. But I wonder... Are there some common ones, though? Yeah. I mean, there are many fears that are common to all human beings. Mm. But maybe the next question to ask is, is are all these fears different mm -hmm. or do they have a common root? That means, is the mechanism behind all our fears the same? Let's explore that one, because I have no idea. Let's challenge it. Let's think about it. Well, I was wondering the other day whether... Our fears, it's like being in a movie theater, okay? And the projectors behind us, we don't see it. All we see are these images on the screen. And if you have all these scary images being thrown up on the screen, you believe them and you get frightened, right? Yeah. But now in a movie theater, you can, you know, you can pinch yourself, oh, I'm in a movie theater. Or if you're having a dream, you can wake up from it and realize your fears were groundless. Mm. But in our mind, there's no escape. There's no sense that this is an illusion. We actually believe 
all the scary images our thoughts are putting up, our mind is projecting onto that screen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And because these fears are always in the future, they're never in the present, right? Mm -hmm. Every fear we have is in the future. They have no solution, these problems, right? Because they haven't yet occurred. Yeah. If I'm worried about getting cancer, that problem is never going to get solved because it hasn't happened. happened. <laughs> no. Do you understand? And probably worrying about it might even add to it happening. Or could do. Could do. We stress. So can you imagine that I might spend my whole life worrying about something that may actually never happen? You know, Manaj, just a thought again when we were talk, you were talking that I... I remember an example I gave once of how how we've built these things up in our minds and happen. It's a, let's just share this. It's a sunny afternoon. You've been sunbathing. You've gone to lay on the bed just to relax for a bit. Bright windows are open and you hear some creaking on the stairs. And you may think, oh, maybe my partner just coming upstairs or whatever. Right. Now, let's just flip it. OK, it's two o'clock in the morning. You're laid in bed. And you hear footsteps coming up the stairs. Where do you go with that one? Because it's a different thing. You get your fear of somebody breaking in. Could Correct. Be. So this fear, as soon as fear comes, you lose, or all of us, lose our ability to think clearly. Right? We imagine the worst. Our mind doesn't pause and ask, hey, could it be something else? Could there be another way of looking at it? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Of the same situation now. I'm reminded of all these um, gun crimes that stories you hear from in America, where people are shot in their own homes because someone or the police or somebody is afraid that actually they're going to be shot at. So before they can be shot at, they, they shoot, shoot somebody. Yeah. So fear can make us aggressive, see? Yeah, okay. What are the other ways in which do you think uh, fear impacts our lives? Well, I'm just thinking as you're talking, I think it can stop us. It can stop us doing things. Yeah. So, for example, fear of being attacked can make us aggressive. Yeah. And countries that are afraid of being attacked will often attack first. So wars begin because of that. Yeah. Um, societies use fear as a way of making us conform. Don't they? And don't we see a lot about that? Yes. Right. If you isn't, don't do this, I will be punished. Isn't the news always a negative headline? Yes. Yes. Just to raise that when there's so many other good things that do happen in the world. Okay. Um, what about a fear of a fear of a lack of self-worth being nobody? Yes. Now, that's a big one. So it makes people pursue fame and power. You mm. see? Right? Yeah. But the underlying anxiety... The mechanism doesn't change. So even if you get fame and power, the fear doesn't go away. I'm That's sure what I'm saying. If you have that, then don't you have a fear of losing it? Yes. <laughs> well, but what happens if I lose my fame and power? So suppose your fear of being poor drives you to accumulate wealth. Mm. No amount of wealth actually feels enough because the underlying fear is not understood, you see. Mm. So that continues to operate. Yeah. Or if you're afraid of not being good looking and you say may decide to have plastic surgery, you know, just to improve your looks, having one operation doesn't it? Do, you never stop there. You always because the anxiety is continuing and it's not understood. You see? Yeah, yeah. That thought process that's creating the fear. So yeah. you end up having a second and third and fourth and fifth operation, and then you know with all the problems they bring. You see? 
So a lot of our fears are not understood. Uh, the other fear that is so common to all of us is fear of being hurt in our relationships. Mm. How do you think that shapes our lives? Oh, I, I think sometimes we, we don't really say things that we maybe mean, so we don't say them, and we don't we don't discuss things with partners enough. Mm. We don't talk about how you've really made me feel. Mm. You know, we bottle it up. Because you're afraid you might lose them. You, you, yeah, you or you're afraid of their reaction. Yes. In our relationships, fears operate. You know, our fear that other people are going to leave us can make us really possessive, right? Mm. And that can actually damage our relationships. Yeah. Even yeah. further. Yeah, right? very, very much so. Uh, but equally, suppose you have... Now, I know this has not happened to you, but suppose you've been really hurt in love and you, uh, someone you really love and trusted has left you for somebody else. What is it? What, what is that? How does the mind react to that fear of it happening again? You, you, I, I would suggest you probably become a bit fearful of a new relationship. You'd probably close, close yourself down. up mm. and you say, I'm never going to allow anybody else in. I'm never going to love again. Never going to love again. And of course, what happens is you end up living a lonely, unhappy life. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So our fears shape our lives in many ways. Now, do you think we're always conscious of our fears or sometimes they're unconscious in the background? I think they, I think they, I think they run like a, a program in our background that we're not even aware of. Yes. And, and then they surface. And, but if we don't explore that thing again, as we're talking about exploration, we never become aware of them. They're just there. They just run and run and run. They continue in a way, to shape our lives mm. and shape the way the river of our life is going to flow without us realizing it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, now, the other fear, do you think, that shapes our lives is our fear of change. How do you think that affects us? Well, it's interesting you say that because I do a little exercise with people um, and uh, I did pinch it, or I, sorry, Michael Heppel, I borrowed it from Michael, okay? Um, he has a thing called the learning index. How much do you love to learn? Mm. Um, and then they score that one out of 10 and people tend to score that one quite high. Mm. And then the next question is, how much do you love change? Mm. And they score that one quite low, mm. okay? Because we become fearful of a change. Because like you were describing earlier, it's out there. Mm. It's in the future. It's in the future. What's it going to bring? So our fear of change can make us prisoners of our own circumstances. Mm -hmm. But the wall is an imaginary wall created by our own fear, which we don't recognize. See? Yeah. We're not aware of it. So if someone says to a, some, a person, and I met a lot of people like this who are in abusive relationships in my time as a surgeon. And I said, well, why don't you leave? Why don't you change? And they would give some reason, mm -hmm. not recognizing that the real reason was fear. Fear. You know? Yeah. Or say you are in a job that you really don't like. And um, somebody says to you, well, why don't you leave? You might give all sorts of reasons, but the real reason is you're afraid of change. Yes. What will that bring? What will that bring? I'm better off with the devil I know than the devil I don't know. Exactly. So... If we say that the primal instinct of all human beings is to be happy, mm -hmm. right? If we're afraid and have fear operating in us all the time, we can't be happy, can we? Struggle. 
that's a struggle. It's a, so yeah. un- if we really want to be happy, we have to understand the root of fear in our thinking. And we need to let go of that. And we need to let go. Now, so how do we understand the root of our thinking? How do we do that? Actually, it's a really simple three-step process. The first is to just observe what's happening. Say, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. The second is to accept it, saying, okay, I'm not going to justify it as right or wrong. I'm just going to accept I am afraid. But the thing that opens the door to intelligence is to question and say, what's the root of fear? How does it shape my life? The conversations that you and I are having today, how, uh, what can I do to meet fear with intelligence? Mm -hmm. So when I sit down with young children, and I love talking about children because they have this amazing intelligence um, that adults just ignore. (laughs) Or adults think the purpose of education is to transfer their knowledge to the kids. But if you sit down with them saying, hey, we're the same human being, come on, let's talk about fear. And in this group of children who were about 12 years old, I was talking about fear. And I asked this question, what's the root of fear? And this girl said, it's in our imagination. What a great answer. This is a 12-year-old girl. So imagine, Steve, if we could bring this understanding to education. And it was part of education, this understanding of ourselves and how our minds worked. And if we had a world where there were no irrational fears. What a difference it would make. What a complete difference it would make. Do you think there are some fears that are rational, that are important to have, that Um, can be protective in some way? I I think there's a fear that if you saw a lion, you'd want to get out of the way. (laughs) Yes. but um, Or if you're in a... A really difficult neighborhood, you'd be much more careful uh, of being, you know, attacked or something. Yeah, I can understand that. Or, you know, certain things like maybe fear of burning yourself in an open fire or things like that. There, yeah. I can get that. Or you teach a child to cross the road safely um, because you might get hit by a car. Yeah. But the question is, do we really need our fear for that? Or can our common sense, sense not do the same job? Well, when you think about things like that, common sense to can cross be a road. Rigid. Yeah. Why would you cross a road and walk in front of a vehicle? Yeah. Common sense tells you not to do that. Yeah. Or and if we make it fearful, if we make it fearful to our children, will the children, I'm, I'm exaggerating this now, ever cross the road? Well, what we do <laughs> is we condition the children then to experience and think with fear, you see? And then that shapes their lives and as parents you and i know how we transmit our fears to our children we, yes we, we we unfortunately we do Every, okay, we're, let's give we're one good. example each one for <laughs> you and one for me well in, in terms of um fear of something like um i'm going to give you a, a great one is uh, what you call it when you uh, abseil okay okay right fear of that that's knocked on to my daughter. Well, you know, my boys, I've got two gorgeous boys, but they want to go paragliding, um, you know, and so on. Yeah. And I'm really worried that something bad is going to happen to them. So my fear is transmitted to them. And no amount of statistics they throw at me saying, actually, the risk is really low, dad, etc., etc. Yeah. Actually shifts my opinion. It just reinforces it because 
it's coming from my fear. And I've got I've got friends who've passed on a fear of flying. Yes, to their children. Yes. And if we are not aware of this in our own thinking and question ourselves, mm-hmm. we can carry these fears with us all our lives. Right? Yeah. Fear of being attacked, fear of something and you've never been attacked, but it's been just drilled into you. Fear of strangers and so on, you know? Well, I remember I was I was staying in um, London um, overnight, and uh, I thought I'd booked myself into Kensington, yeah. okay? Um, but I hadn't. I'd booked myself into Kennington, yeah. okay? Which apparently, I knew nothing about this. So I had no fear. I'm in Kennington. I'm in a hotel. Not a problem. Yeah. But when I told the people that I was staying in Kennington, yeah. it was like, what have you done? But at that point, I knew no different. Mm. I was quite okay. I'm in this hotel in Kennington. What's the problem? But suddenly, they were try- they were instilling some fear in me. Don't go out. Yeah. Don't do this. You know. And I go. So do you know what? You can be in any town or city in the world, okay, and just go and explore. But if people put that fear into you, you end up being locked in a hotel room, don't yeah. you? So there's a balance between fear and common sense. Yes. You know. Yeah. And I think it's only when you understand the nature of it and the root of it in your thinking that you can respond with intelligence. Mm-hmm. So perhaps a good question to explore is how can we meet fear with intelligence? And how do we do this then? Because one is one thing being aware of it, being being quiet, being... So I think the first step is, as always, is to recognize that recognize all our unconscious fears operating in the background. Write them down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's That's a good start. Good start. And the second step is to just accept that we live with fear. The human mind has fear built into it. It's a mechanism. Yeah. But it's not intelligent. We recognize that. Do we always have to label it, though? No. No. We don't have to label it. But then the next question is, which opens the door is how can we, what's the nature? So then you start exploring for yourself. Mm. Then you realize fear is rooted in your thinking. It's an irrational uh, process of thinking, right? It's Mm -hmm. not rational. Because so many of our fears are irrational, right? Now, here's an interesting one. that If fear is caused by our thinking, yes, can we meet fear without thinking? And what would happen if we can meet fear without thinking? Would it would it disappear? Absolutely. Try it for yourself and see. If you can meet fear without thinking, it just dissolves. Well, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? But, try listener, try that one. <laughs> but the question that I'm sure people will be asking is, how can you meet fear without thinking? Because we're always thinking. Yes, we are, aren't we? Yeah. Because thinking is what creates fear in the first place, right? Yeah. So a little exercise that you could try is just sit in front of a tree or look at a flower and try and look at that tree and notice it without a single thought coming in the way between you and the tree. Mm-hmm. Without labeling it as a tree or a, or a rose, for example, yeah. just notice the the wind going through it, the light on it, every detail, without any thought coming between you and the tree. 
Okay. Yeah. And I tried this exercise at Northumbria University recently. Okay. And this girl from Belfast said, I don't know what you did, but my mind's become really calm. So the same process, if you can do it with a tree, you can do it with your fear. What a great exercise to practice. Try it and see. Now, there are some questions that um, I think can help us rationally get past. Suppose a fear arises. There are some questions that we can ask ourselves that can help. Because remember, when you're afraid, you lose the ability to think clearly. Mm. Right? So how can we bring intelligence to bear on well, that? Well, I'm going to. I'm just going to going to talk from a personal perspective. Um, when when I go through this process, one of the things I think about is, so how how likely is this to happen? Mm-hmm. Okay, and I use always use the scale of like a one to ten or something like that. And often when you think about it, it's like well, very unlikely, really. Mm. But I'm creating that it's going to happen yeah. just by thinking about it and emphasizing um, that factor. That's one of the things you could do. I yes. Guess. I mean, that's one thing. Um, you could also say, well, what's the evidence for it? You know, mm. uh, so once you actually look at the evidence, for example, with me, paragliding and the accident rate, it's really quite low. <laughs> yes. So, you know, why, why, so why am I afraid of it? Yes. You see? Um, and the other interesting question is, is it equally likely not to happen? We never ask ourselves that question, mm. you see. Is it equally likely that they'd be fine paragliding or that I won't lose my job or my health or my looks or... Yeah. You see? Yeah. It, or, you know, I may... So... It's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, it yeah. may not happen. Yeah, it may not happen. But the other thing to realise is, am I imagining the worst outcome here? Manager, I have been there. <laughs> well, it's like the boss summons you, yes. right? When, you know, the boss from work says, come, I want a meeting with you, immediately you imagine the worst outcome. That's yeah. how your mind works. That's, yeah. So if you ask yourself, what are the other op- alternatives here? Maybe giving me a pay rise. Yeah. Yeah. See what I mean? Maybe a promotion. Immediately that fear could be balanced against, you know, rational thought. Yes. See? But the other thing is, see, there are some things which are inevitable, like death, for example. Mm. What's the point of being afraid of something that's absolutely inevitable? Yeah, I think, I think this is a really uh, people. God, this is a when I say it's a big one. I think a lot of people have the fear of death, yes. and and I think when I've talked to people about that, I, I don't, I don't know. I know you did your work as a surgeon and things, and and. Sometimes I think it's not the fear of death, it's the fear of suffering. Yes. There's, there's a, because death is inevitable. Yes. Why be afraid of something that's inevitable? Mm. So, because the implications are that the, from the day you're born and you can start thinking for yourself till the day you die, maybe from the age of five till 85. Yes. If you're afraid of death, that means for 80 years you're going to be unhappy because you're going to be afraid. <laughs> it's, not, it's not logical or intelligent, you see. Yeah. And then as you get, that's, let's explore that one as well, because they, you know, you, you're 20 years of age, 25 years of age, there's nothing bothers you in the world about death. It's like, well, it's out there. You suddenly get to 50, 60, and all of a sudden, what, you start thinking about these things, yeah. okay? Um, and 
but 30 years ago, we never bothered. Yeah. Or another example is my looks. Mm. It, you know, we, we live in a society which values looks so much. Yes. And we're judged by how we look and we judge ourselves by how we look. And this anxiety can make us not accept ourselves as we are. This is a big problem well, with young people. Th this again, this is an interesting one as well because I can't remember the actor's name now. But it was, um, oh, an old film, Roman chariots and things like that, and uh, Kirk Douglas. Okay. Kirk Douglas, and he's a young man in this film, uh, and a friend of mine uh, likes the film, and then Kirk Douglas was on the television as he is now, mm. and this friend of mine said to me. Oh, I felt so sorry for Kirk Douglas. Mm. How he's aged and how he's changed. And that was his fear. Yes. That you're talking about, right? How have I changed from when I was 20 to when I'm 40, 50? Well, it's life. <laughs> so if we can accept all the things that we're afraid of, that we cannot change, mm -hmm. that we're going to get older, our looks are going to change, we're going to die one day, and so on, if we can accept that, then all the anxiety and fear around that can end. And just dissolve. Can dissolve. Yeah. You know. And if you can live without fear, at least make an attempt to do so. Mm. Not only can it transform your own life, but make the world around you a much better place. You'll be a changed person, won't you? With the people around you. You'll be completely free. Yeah. You wouldn't be a prisoner of your circumstances. You won't be a prisoner of your thoughts. You wouldn't be a prisoner of your thoughts. Mm. You can do things in the world without being afraid of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. You'd be a happier person. You can have relationships which are so much happier because you're not afraid of being hurt, of people, you know, all the fears that we have in relationships, for example. Yeah. And it would absolutely transform the world of education because teachers at the moment live with so much anxiety of inspections, of parental complaints, of uh, Ofsted, you know, criticism and, you know, and ju being judged by their peers and so on, not having, not being able to finish the work on time. And in the same school, the children are worried about their, how, what others think of them, their looks, Mm -hmm. not having the right pair of trainers, not fitting in. You see what I mean? Yeah. And it's that should be explored as part of education. It would transform the lives of everyone in education. That's really what the Human Inquiry Project is trying to do. So what you describe in there, Malaj, if you work around that and you accept that and things, you can use, you can use fear as a power for good further down, can you? Well, in the sense that you can use your fear as a way of saying, of asking yourself, what's behind it? That's what I mean, yes. And then yeah. it becomes a powerful good because it, it pushes you to explore and understand yourself and how your mind works. And when you do that, that awakens your own intelligence. Yeah. And that has the capacity to transform your life. Yeah, fascinating. Wow. Do you know what? It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And um, if people would like to find out more about you and the Human Inquiry Projects, how can they do that? We've got a website, uh, humaninquiry.org, and we're on 
social media and our tag is human inquiry. The book, Understanding Me, Understanding You, is on Amazon. But we give it free to everybody we meet in education. Right, okay, wonderful. And you know what? We look forward to exploring even more things in the future. Malach, thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. This is Inspire Radio. With inspirational guests from across the world, this is Inspire Radio. Inspire Radio. Inspire Radio.